Good morning. Good morning. Man, I'm so glad that you came this morning. I've got a, a real challenge for you uh, as we dive into God's Word. And before we do that, I just want to say a welcome to those in the room, to those that are joining us online, for those that are at River Ridge Academy at our Okinawa campus. We're so glad that you would jump in this morning and be here. Uh, and I also want to share just, a, just real briefly about kind of where we are as a church, reminding you we're in the middle of these Q&A sessions with, um, about the sale of property and then potentially acquiring another piece of property. We've been talking about this for a number of years um, and uh, we've had two different Q&A sessions so far. We have a few more today that are happening. One is this evening at five o'clock. Uh, if you're able to make it for that, that would be fantastic. Um, there's also another one tomorrow and then Thursday evening um, out in uh, with some of our small groups that are out in Oldfield will be out there. So, but as we're going through that, I wanted to share something with you just really quickly uh, because one of the things that, that I'm learning in the midst of this is, uh, and, and we, we've been going through this for just a number of years, so one, I'm learning patience. Don't you love that word? Like, I'm learning patience, just learning, like, God's going to do what God's going to do. I believe that. I believe that in the life of the church. This is his church. I believe that with all of my heart, and he has, he has shown that that is true through just a number of years, a number of circumstances. But in the midst of these Q&A sessions and just times of prayer and conversations with our elders that we've been in over the last several months, uh, there was something that happened Thursday that I just want to share with you. I hope that it will encourage you because what I hope is that you will see God's hand in this, right? That, that's my hope. My hope is that you will just see God working in a powerful way. So Thursday afternoon, I'm, I'm actually headed out of town with one of my kids uh, just for a one-night deal, and I'm in the car, and I get a text message um, just on the heels of what had been two Q&A sessions, and we've had some great conversations around that. But I got noticed, I got a notification basically saying that somebody um, had given us a, a $200,000 gift, right, towards our building fund, right, as we're in the midst of this conversation. I know half of you are excited. The other half, I have no idea what you're doing this morning. You still need some coffee. But just think about just, just how God is working, right? That, that's really what I want you to see. Like, God's, God's in this. this. This has been our prayer for a number of years, that this would be his story, the thing that he does, not something that we are able to figure out and do on our own. And I just think that's amazing as we continue to walk in uh, in just obedience to he, him directing our steps, okay? So I wanted to share that with you, and I, I really want to encourage you, if you have questions or if you just want to hear more, then show up to some of our Q&As. That's the best place for you to have a conversation. We've had great conversations. We've had great questions along the way. So please come to one of those as we continue to really pray about and walk into the future that God has for us. Okay, grab a Bible if you have one, and you're going to want one today. I'm telling you, this message, uh, as I've been working on this, and, and even this weekend as I was, I was on a little, a little trip with one of my boys and uh, just was thinking through um, today's message in Romans 15, um, and I say this often, but man, this is really a game changer for you in your life. Now, here's the thing that you got to realize uh, as, as you think about just where you are and what's going on in your life is I would imagine that somewhere along the way you've been hurt by somebody else. Not only have you been hurt by somebody else, but you want to know what happens most of the times is the people that hurt people the most are Christians. 
right? Churches are filled with people who have been hurt by other people in churches. It's just one of those things that happens. And if that's you, if that's part of your story, first I want to say, I'm, I'm so sorry that that has happened to you, but I also want to let you know you're not alone. You're not alone. And here's what happens. So you get to Romans 15, and a little bit of context here. So Paul gets to the, kind of the end of Romans, and he's, he's really kind of winding this letter down as, as we get to chapter 15. But really, beginning in chapter 12, he really gives some very practical ways that you should be living out this thing that you say you believe. Like he's, he's writing it. So he's starting in Romans 12 where he talks about, you know, you being transformed by the renewing of your mind. You know, like all of those things, those verses that you know of. He's talking about let love be without hypocrisy. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. He's talking about how we weep with those who weep and we mourn with those who mourn. Like that's where he's getting at in Romans chapter 12. And then he, he just continues to go in 13 and 14. He's he gets very practical, like, this is how you should be living this out. And, and I don't know if you know this, but when you read the Bible, you, you should be reading it with, with application in mind. You should be reading it in terms of, man, I, I should be applying this to my life. This isn't just something that's out there for me. It's not just this thing I do on Sundays or, you know, it's not just my own little private life. And that's why some people view it. It's like my own little private life. I'm going to do my little Devo time. I'm going to have my prayer time. And I'm going to keep it like in my home. And then, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to really go out there with it. But the reality of it is, like, you should be someone who's taking your faith. Let's just call it this, taking your faith into the marketplace. Like, you're, you're, you should be taking your faith out into the community. You should be taking your faith out into the neighborhood. Now, here's the challenge that most of us have with this, right? The challenge that most of us have is we think that means that when we walk out there into the marketplace or the neighborhood and we encounter people who don't look like us or think like us or act like us, and all of a sudden we've got to cast this spirit of judgment and condemnation on them. And not only do we do it with those who don't look like us, think like us, or act like us, or even believe like us, man, we do it with people in the church. And so people in the church, it's like, man, if you don't, if you don't kind of do the thing that, in, the way that we think you should do it, if you don't dress the way we think you should dress, if you don't, it, it, you, you just, you don't really fit into our little clique or our little club of sorts. And Paul takes a, a really hard look in Romans 14. We're going to be in Romans 15. But in Romans 14, I just want to read to you just, just what he says in verse 1. Okay, can I do that? It's not on the screen. It's not in your notes. That's why I think if you have a Bible, man, you should open this up. Because we're going to get to something here at the end. And it's going, to be, it, it's going to be a game changer for all of us. Ready? It says this. Accept other believers who are weak in faith and don't argue with them about what they think is right or wrong. Did you know that was in the Bible? Like seriously, I mean, you, 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 you realize this. And see, what happens is, for a lot of us, what happens is we're, we're, we're here, like we're, we're Sunday. I mean, you guys are early service people here in Old Town, right? So it's like, man, we're, we got it together kind of thing, you know? 
I mean, it used to, be, used to be years ago when you were in a church, and this was true, like when I was attending this church years ago, it was like, man, if you showed up at the Sunday night service, and then you showed up at the Wednesday night service, like you, you love Jesus more than anybody else in the world. You know what I'm saying? And, and they let you know that. You know, they let you know that. But the reality of it is, what Paul is getting at in the scriptures for us is he's saying, hey, listen, for those of you who think you're strong, For those of you who think you're mature, for those of you who do think a little, maybe a little more highly of yourself than you ought to think, I'll throw it out there like that, you you have a responsibility for those who are weaker. You you have a responsibility, you have a responsibility to walk with them differently. You have a responsibility to, to talk with them differently. You have a responsibility, like you're bearing some of that burden, which means like you're carrying the weight of it. He goes on in, in, in chapter 14, he starts talking about the specifics of it. I mean, he starts talking about the ways that, even days that people would choose to worship. He's talking about the ways that people worship, the food that people are going to eat. Like he starts getting into some of that stuff. And, and it's for those of us who would consider ourselves more mature in the faith, we should be taking a step back and we should be going, so what's my responsibility to all of the people of the faith then? And the biggest danger that most of us have is that we are, we are the Pharisees of, of, of the New Testament. Where the Pharisees of the New Testament is we're walking out this thing that we call our faith and your personal relationship with Jesus. As we're walking this out, we're the Pharisees who are casting judgment on those who are weaker. And you get to Romans 15, and and Paul has this prayer. This is our series. We're talking about the prayers of Paul. And there's this one-sentence thing that he says in Romans chapter 15. Um, And we're not starting there, but, but he goes, I pray this. And it's just this one little thing, and he actually has a different prayer. He's asking for prayer later in the chapter, but he says this one thing in the middle of it, which to me just was an eye-opener as I was, I was reading through Romans a little bit, and I got to that place, and I knew this series was coming up. It was one that I'd been thinking about for quite a while, and, and I thought, that's one that we've got to hit, even though it's one sentence, right? So let's, let's roll through Romans 15 real quick. Because let's start here. Just want to throw that out. You, you, who's a fill-in-the-blank person? Anybody fill-in-the-blank people? Love fill-in-the-blank people. I'm not one of them. So this is a gift to you from me because this is hard for me, the blanks. But if, by the way, these are on the Cornerstone Church app. If you want to get the app, you can also stop by the hub. There's a printed sheet there. So you can stop by the hub. You can grab one of those. Um, it gives you a chance to just see that fill-in-the-blank. And um, the discipleship guide that's in the, in the, uh, the hu- at the Hub and in the app also has some questions for reflection for you. So sort of this application piece of how do you walk out what we talked about today. Because here's the thing. Sometimes people leave us hopeless. Sometimes in our interaction with people, right, especially people in the church, we're left, we're left hopeless because of the way that we were treated, because of what someone has said. I can't tell you. I mean, I don't know what it is about being a pastor, but something about being a pastor, people feel like they can just say things to you. And they really love to say things to you right before you're supposed to step up here on the stage. And some, sometimes they're incredibly critical things. 
Sometimes they're pointless things. Like they just, they just decide that they want to say something. I've, I've had that happen on many occasions in this room. So it's, you know, somebody comes and they say something. And, and, and I don't know about you, but you've probably had interaction with people in the church. I remember as we're walking through transition in the life of the church, man, I used to hear things from people about stuff that was said by people in the church. And it's almost appalling. But that's what happens. Sometimes people leave us feeling hopeless. So Romans, 5, or Romans 15, he starts out 1 and 2, he says this. Uh, we who are strong, that, that in the faith, it's what you got to see. We who are strong must be considerate of those who are sensitive about things like this. And if you wonder what this means, go back and read 14. You begin to understand the context of what he's saying. Some of that context is... The, the day of the week that they would worship. So if it's the, the food that they would choose to eat. And basically, here's what, here's what Paul says. I don't know if you know this. But Paul basically says this. If you've determined something in your heart that it's a sin, then that's your deal. That doesn't mean, by the way, that it's everybody's deal. Like there's certain things in the scriptures that you read and it's just point blank. Like, here it is, it's black and white. But there's a lot of other things in Scripture, I don't know if you know this, there's a lot of other things in Scripture that are a little gray. And Paul is, Paul is getting with the, in this letter he's saying, listen, if you've determined something in your heart that, that it's not, it doesn't fit your life and it doesn't fit your lifestyle and, and it, it, it's one of those gray areas, I'm not talking about immorality, okay? I'm just talking, he uses like food, he uses, he actually talks about drinking in here. Drinking is one of those hot topics in the life of the church, right? So there's some things like that that there's a little bit of gray area. And what he says is, listen, man, if you've decided in your heart that this is wrong for you, then that is amazing, but you can't push that out on everybody. So we who are strong, he says, we got to be considerate to those who are weak. So we who are strong in the context of food, right? We who are strong, right? We're going to go out to a meal with those who are weaker. And if they've decided in their heart that something's not right for them to eat, if there's a dietary restriction or something, man, we want to step into their world and we want to embrace that for the moment because Paul says what in 1 Corinthians? He says, I've become all things to all people that I might win some. And as a, as a mature believer, you're becoming all things to all people so that you might help them to grow and not stumble. So you can step into those moments and you can say, hey, I'm, you're not going to say this out loud, right? You don't go to the meal and go, you know, I'm a little bit stronger than you spiritually. And so let's just, I'm just going to go ahead. I'm not going to eat this food that's because you've decided. Like, we don't do that. But we just say, no, I mean, I'm stepping into this and I want to be considerate. What a great word. To those um, who are, are, are t working through like these things, we must not please ourselves. We should help others do what is right and build them up in the Lord, right? Think, think about this. I mean, this, this for you in your life, if you were to look across the room, like if you're here, if you're online and you start reading the comments, if you're at River Ridge and you look across the room, you, you, you have a responsibility to each other. 
You have a responsibility to walk this out in people's lives with them. Like you're walking with them on the journey. But yet in in Christian circles, it's been so easy to stand off at the distance and we become the people that are just telling folks what they should do instead of walking with them on it. Sometimes people leave us hopeless. The second second blank, if if you go there, it says when we do what we're supposed to do, we can leave people hopeful hopeful right so think think of hopefulness think of uh, i want you to think of it this way because we're gonna get there at the end right as i was thinking through this just this message i started thinking here's here's what's happened in my life with the people that i've encountered and i'm imagining this is true of you as well I, i believe there's two kinds of people when it comes to talking about hope i believe that there are people i'll call them hope dealers right not drug dealers i mean i'm talking about hope dealers Man, they are the people, when you're with them, man, you are filled up. Like, they're the people you want to hang around. I mean, they have, some of it is like they're, they're really positive. That's part of it. But the other side of it is, man, they are constantly reminding you, like, here's hope, here's hope, here's hope. Man, they, and they're, they have all sorts of people that are flocking to them. There's, there's hope dealers. The other side of the, the other group of people I believe there are is, I think there's a bunch of hope stealers out there. I just think, and this is really rampant in the church, I'm telling you. There's people that just want to steal your hope. And as they steal your hope, they want to steal your joy. And, there's, and some of you, man, you have friends like that. And I want to give you permission today to walk away from those friends. Man, if you've got people in your life that are stealing your hope, and they don't have anything good to say, they don't see the hand of God moving in your life, in the way that God is working and orchestrating things out. I'm not saying everything's going to go perfect for you. I don't mean that at all. But there's just people in your life, and they're completely stealing your hope. But as a follower of Jesus, man, I want everybody to hear this. As a follower of Jesus in your life, when you do, when you live the way that you're supposed to live, and what I mean by that is, man, when you're in the Scriptures and you're going, I should apply this to my life, when you're living that way, you are bringing hope into, right, these situations, which means you are a hope dealer. And you are bringing it every, everywhere you go, man. You're bringing hope with you. You're walking into a circle of friends and you're showing up and you're bringing hope. You're not walking into that circle of friends and stealing hope. You're bringing hope. Listen to what he says as he goes through this now. He says, verses 3, um, three and 4. He says, for even Christ didn't live to please himself, as the scriptures say, the insults of those who insult you, O God, have fallen on me. Such things were written in the scriptures long ago to teach us, and the scriptures give us hope and encouragement as we patiently wait for God's promises to be fulfilled. The big picture of hope, right? Big picture of hope for me, when I think of how do you define it? For me, I define hope as a confident expectation in God's promises, Just a confident expectation in God's promises. If he said it, he's going to carry it to completion. That's just what I believe. Because I believe God keeps his word. And so when we walk in this world, we are walking in confident expectation of God's promises for the future. Right? Some of that future is like 10 minutes from now. Some of that future is your lifetime. Some of that future is in eternity. And you're going to experience, right, the faithfulness of God all throughout that. First thing you got to realize, you want to talk about lasting hope in your life. Lasting hope is built on the scriptures. 
That's the first thing he says. When he's writing this, he's talking about Christ. He goes through the scriptures. He says, these things have been written for your instruction. Right? You go throughout the scriptures and you go through the Old Testament. And I know some people, you look at the Old Testament and you're constantly looking for certain things. Maybe you're looking for patterns or little secrets into the kingdom of God kind of stuff. But the reality of it is what Paul's writing, he says, man, these things have been written in the scriptures for your instructions. You know what that means? These things have been written so you can learn from them. These things have been written so you can know and you can walk in God's faithfulness so that you can bank on God's promises. That's why he's written these things, because he wants you to see the heritage of his faithfulness throughout the generations. So that as you're walking in your life, you're reminding yourself, wait a minute, God keeps his promises. I can have hope. Jeremiah, Lamentations chapter 3, if you know this, you probably have heard this, right? He says, this I recall to mind, therefore I have hope. The Lord's loving kindness indeed never cease. His mercies, that's the part you remember, are new every morning. And then the great hymn, right? Great is thy, you say it, faithfulness. Do you know that just the few verses before he pins that, he is, he is writing about what's happening in Jerusalem. And he believes that his life has been turned completely upside down. But then he sort of comes to his senses and he reminds himself of God's faithfulness. He reminds himself that tomorrow is a new day. For us, like, that's lamentations. I mean, you can fast forward to the, the, the New Testament, right? And I mean, we're, we're New Testament, New Covenant believers. So you know what we have on our side? We have history. Not just a little bit of history, man. We've got the entire Old Testament. We've got the entire New Testament. We have the whole story of Jesus. Because lasting hope is built on the scriptures, right? And so you're looking through the scriptures and you're being reminded, right? What are you reminded when Jesus died on the cross? That was a bad Friday, although we call it a good Friday. But we all say this, we all know this, is then came the morning. We sang that last week when we sang the song Living Hope. Um, we say, then came the morning. We're talking about Sunday morning shows up, and that's what we're talking about with hope, right? It's built on the scriptures, and so we're looking at all of God's faithfulness. It's built on the scriptures. Second thing to remember in this is that lasting hope is built on God's promises. It's built on God's promises. Think about what he has promised throughout the ages. I mean, there's just certain things that are, are going to be very specific for you in your lifetime. One of the things, just I want to remind you of it, you should know this, but one of the things is that as a follower of Jesus, he has promised that he will always be with you. Always, always, always. Did you know that? Two of you did. Great. The rest of you, this is brand new for you. This is amazing. He is always with you. You are never alone. And that's, that's something you got to think about because a lot of us go through seasons where we feel like we're all alone. We feel like we're in it all by ourselves. And we can realize, like, God is always with me. Not only that, we talked about this last week. Not only is he always with us, but he has given you. First Peter chapter 1 tells us that he has given us everything we need for this life that he has called us to. This life of godliness. According to him who, you know, died for us like you think about those things that's what he's given us those are promises that are right now you don't have to wait for the future in that 
He is, those are things you can walk, you can walk in that today. He is with you. He has given you everything you need. He has given you power that's unimaginable. And by the way, nobody can surpass it. We've talked about that in the past. Right there inside you. He says it in Romans chapter 6. He talks about the fact that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is in you. In you. That's what you have. Those are just, those are three real quick promises of like what you have right now in your life. You can go now beyond that. You can realize that the thing that he has prepared for you in the promise, what did Jesus tell his disciples in John chapter 14? He says, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And basically when it's ready, I'm coming to get you. Are you ready for that? You know that he's coming back one day and he's going to take you. I don't know what it's going to look like, man. It's probably him going to show up in the air and there's this big angelic choir that's singing and some of you are like, yes, a choir, finally. We have a choir, we're singing and you've got that going on and you're thinking, this is amazing. And there's Jesus. You're like, yes, that's just one of the promises. He's preparing a place for us. He's building. Revelation chapter 22 talks about a new heaven and a new earth. Revelation 21 talks about how he is going to wipe away every tear from your eye. There's not going to be any more sorrow or mourning when that day will come. Those are promises that you can hold on to in the future. So there's promises for today and there's promises for the future. And some of you are living life like you've never even heard some of those promises. And when you are living life that way, you know what happens is you walk into that circle of friends and you become a hope stealer because your circumstances have have basically overtaken you and they are overriding for you the promises of God for you in your life. Lasting hope is built on the scriptures, it's built on the promises and the last thing about this is that it's built on, and we know this, it's built on Christ. It's built on Christ. He goes on in this. He says, he's already mentioned Christ one time, but pick up on 14, or I'm sorry, 5, and then we'll go through the rest of this. He says, may God who gives this patient encouragement help you live complete, incomplete harmony with What? Yes! Did the church throw out like 15, like Romans 15? I mean, have you been a part of church splits? Anybody been a part of church splits? You've been a part of churches that, I mean, it's just, there's some nasty stuff that happens in the church. It's no wonder the world's looking at us going, y'all are nuts. <laughs> Harmony, what a great word. I, I, don't, I don't know how to sing. I don't know how to sing. I don't know how to play an instrument. But when things work together in harmony, the way that these guys will come in and play on a Sunday, and sometimes they're in here early and you don't hear them and they don't sound so great. Hardly ever, but just occasionally. (laughs) But then they practice and they really work at it and they get on the same tempo. They're playing the right notes. They're singing the right notes. And there's harmony. And when the church is living in, in and living out the promises of God that you find throughout the scriptures, there's harmony. When the church is deciding that we want to apply these things to our life that say, 
hey, you should, you should live this way. And you're like, hey, let's do it. Let's, let's live that way. Let, let's try to live in harmony. What does harmony look like? I remember years ago, I had a conversation with a gentleman in our church. This goes back to about, about eight or nine years ago. Man, we were, we were kind of at odds with some things. And I, I just looked at him. I, I took him to lunch. And I'm just like, hey, okay, so one of the places that Paul talks about this, he says, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with all men. I said, man, how can, how can we live at peace right now? How can we live at peace? And he looked at me and he basically said, there's not any way that we can live in peace. And he never stepped into this church ever again. And I read the scriptures and, and my heart breaks because, man, we, we, should be able to, we should be able to lay aside differences and, and we should be able to live in harmony and we should be able to live at peace. There's just no reason why we can't. I mean, if we're going to hold scripture high and if we're going to hold Jesus high, right, like we, we can do this, people. We can do this. Live at harmony with each other as is fitting for followers of Christ Jesus. Then all of you can join together with one voice giving praise and glory to God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Wouldn't that be great? Like the beautiful thing about the gospel and what should be beautiful about the church is that we all come together and we get to lay aside our differences. And we get to come under the banner of Jesus as we elevate Jesus, as we elevate even the scriptures and, and us saying, hey, we're going to live this out, what it says. Like, we're coming under that banner and we're going, we can do this. We can lay aside our differences. And instead of being hope stealers, we become hope dealers because we're stepping into those moments. Therefore, he says, accept each other just as Christ has accepted you so that God will be given glory, which, by the way, he accepted you not because of what you've done, He's accepted you in spite of what you've done because of Jesus, right? And so let's forget that. You think like you nailed this thing called the Christian life. And you haven't. Like there's not anybody in here that's perfect. Jesus is perfect. And it's because of him. And so we get to this place where we can accept each other just as Christ. You know why? Because he accepted you. With all of your faults, with all of your hang-ups, with all of your addictions, with all of your hurts, with all, I mean, you name it, with all the way that you've hurt people, with all the way that you've been stealing people's hope and you've been stealing people's joy, Jesus is still inviting you, come to me, come to me, come to me, come to me, and I can change you. And he can do the same for everybody else. Remember that Christ came as a servant to the Jews. This is beautiful, by the way, to show that God is true to the promises he made to their ancestors. All throughout the Old Testament, he's been promising, there's a Messiah, there's a Messiah, there's a Messiah. Jesus shows up. The Jews, a lot of Jews are still looking at it going, he's not the Messiah, he's not the Messiah, he's not the Messiah. But Jesus fulfilled every prophecy from the Old Testament when he walked in this world of who the Messiah would be. He also came so that the Gentiles might give glory to God for his mercies to them. Why? Because he didn't make any promises to you in the Old Testament. But he decided because of his grace that he would bring you and welcome you into the family. Isn't that good news? And by the way, he will do that, in case you forget, with the worst of sinners. He did it. Paul considered himself actually the worst of sinners. He quotes from Psalms. 
This is what the psalmist meant when he wrote, For this I will praise you among the Gentiles. I will sing praises to your name. In another place it is written, Rejoice with his people, you Gentiles. And yet again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles. Praise him, all the people of the earth. And in another place Isaiah said, The heir to David's throne will come and he will rule over the Gentiles. They will place their hope on him. And here's his prayer, verse 13. All that to get to this. I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in Him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. What a cool prayer. I pray that God, who is the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in Him, because you trust in His Word, because you trust in His promises, that you will be filled with joy and peace And as Christians, as followers of Jesus, we should be the most joy-filled people in the planet. We should be the most peaceful people on the planet because we have a God who is the source of all hope. We have Him. And we're invited into His presence. And we get to sit around at His table. And we get to be a part of His family. And we spend so much time arguing with other Christians. And I just imagine, I still believe this one day, Jesus, we're going to get to heaven, he's going to go, oh my goodness, you guys missed it so badly. The things that we think are important are not nearly as important as we think they are. And Paul is going, I pray that the God who is the source of all hope for you will fill you with joy and peace as you place your confidence in Him. Listen, when you don't place your confidence in Him, you're not going to have joy and peace. If you start placing your confidence in other places, even in other people, you will not have joy and peace. But if you're placing your confidence in Him, in who He is, in what He's doing, you will be filled with joy and peace. So the point is that then you will overflow with hope because of the power of the Holy Spirit, which we've already mentioned, lives in you. And what happens for us in our life in the church, is we spend way too much time being critical of other people and we steal their joy and we steal their hope instead of being people who are dealing, right? We're dealing this out like we want to be overflowing. Think of that word overflowing. My wife laughs at me when I go into, we have this this refrigerator and I have to open the door and there's a little water filler thing Inside, I got to push the button. It gets aggravating, really aggravating. Don't ever buy one of these kinds of refrigerators. First world problems, I know. And I'm filling something up. Sometimes it's a measuring cup because I like, I like cool water when I'm making certain things. Sometimes it's just my cup. And sure enough, as soon as I get it too full, 
And I think I'm kind of walking, I'm thinking I can do this. I'm just trying to turn from here to the counter. And I spill. Anybody do that? Like you can't, you can't keep it. Man, when you are overflowing because of the hope of God and His promises and the joy that He gives you in your life, that's actually what you want to see happen. You're, spill, you're running into people and you're just spilling some joy and peace and hope just all over them in their life. Man, you just walk with that cup. You, can, you don't even put the lid on it now. You just kind of walk and you're like, oh, I'm sorry. You just spill a little bit of hope on them. You just spill a little bit of hope on them. It's just water, by the way. Don't, I'm not staying in the carpet. But I want you to see the point. Like, let's spill some hope out on these people. Instead, what happens, this is one of the things that happens in our lives, right? So you've got little somebody that's got this little flicker of hope going on in their life, and we take out our water pistols and said, we're like shooting at them. Like, we're not spilling hope over, man. We want to extinguish that bad boy. But you, follower of Jesus, you have the source of all hope in your life. And He wants you, follower of Jesus, to walk with joy and peace because you believe His promises. And you, follower of Jesus, will then not just be filled with hope, but you will be overflowing with hope in such a way that, yep, you're spilling it over Wherever you walk in this world, you're a hope dealer. You're not a hope stealer. You're a hope dealer. You're a hope dealer. You're somebody who, think of it this way, you are somebody who is reminding other people of God's promises. As a hope dealer, you're, you're holding on to the promises and you're reminding others of God's promises. As a hope dealer, you're someone, yep, you're not going to shy away from speaking the truth, but man, you're going to say it with grace. You've, you've found a way to be graceful in your speech. You've found a way to let it be seasoned with grace as though it were seasoned with salt because you're a hope dealer. You, you found a way, this is one, you found a way, he said this earlier, as a hope dealer, you're walking with people. Don't you love folks who want to tell you all about it, but don't want to walk with you through it? I don't. Drives me mad. Sit down with people, they want to tell me all the things that we should do as the church, but they don't want to step into it they, they don't want to help. They just want to talk about it. But a hope dealer is walking with you in whatever circumstances that you find yourself in. They are stepping in it with you. And they are rubbing shoulders with you. And they are spilling out hope in your life. Because right now, I get it, you may feel like you have no hope. And that's the other thing. When you're a hope dealer, they're going to lend you hope. You're somebody who's here today and you feel like you're hopeless. 
You need to find the hope dealer that's in your circle of friends. And I believe that they can lend you some of the hope that they have in their life because you're looking at them because they're holding on to the promises. They're filled with the source of all hope. They're filled with joy and peace. And you can lend some of the hope out to other people when they feel hopeless. Because as a follower of Jesus, you're a hope dealer. And I believe that's a game changer. I believe it's a game changer. If we will decide to live the way that we've been told to live in the scriptures. Would you stand with me? I'm going to pray for us. We're going to sing this, this song as we, as we finish our time together. Father, thank you for your word today. Father, I thank you for just the opportunities that you give us to bring hope to the people around us. So, Father, I, I ask you to help us because most of us just fall really, really short of that. So would you just, would you help us to, to lay aside some of our preferences, lay aside some of our differences? Would you help those of us who are strong to help bear the burdens of those who are weak? Would you help those of us who are hopeful spread hope into the circles of people that we find ourselves in. Not because we want a pat on the back, but because we, we want to see what that says in Scripture about you being glorified in it. We want you to get the credit because you've, you've filled us hope and it's overflowing in our life into the lives of other people so thank you Father for Jesus for the scriptures for your promises and we stand oh so firmly on them and it's in Jesus name we pray amen let's sing together as we close our time